Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon skeptic, and now Keller Williams real estate agent. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This ain't your grandma's Rhea folks, no sales from the front, and no smell of stale coffee, Ben Gay, and or disappointment. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your entertainment and hopefully education. And if you enjoy this podcast, come on, man, it's free. Give it a like. Share it. If you haven't already, I really appreciate it. You rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever app you're using, all that stuff really does help. And remember, this is free. So uh, I know you're just not going to take free things like a Bernie Sanders person, right? You want to you wanna give back, right? If you have any questions or suggestions, reach out to me at renegadedetroit.com. If you are interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash investors. Or Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And if and when I ever get these YouTube videos up, I'm working on very close. Go to YouTube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. And also look me up on Snapchat. Jeremy Burgess. That's why I'm on Snapchat. Legal disclaimer. Because this world's full of a bunch of fucking pussies. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment or investment decisions, you grow the fuck up and contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals. We recommend you be an adult. Don't sue me. All right. Time for the show quote of the week. I try and pick a quote that sets a tone for the podcast and hopefully for the rest of your week. All right. And this week, here's what I got. I can't imagine a person becoming a success who doesn't give this game of life everything he's got. Walter Cronkite. I can't imagine a person becoming a success who doesn't give this game of life everything he's got. And that applies to her, it, or she, whatever the fuck you call yourself. Just give it all, you know? And let me introduce you to my guest, Ray Nimike. Yes, got it right. (laughs) Uh, Ray was born in Detroit and lived there until he was 23 in East English Village. His father was a Detroit cop and his mother worked for General Motors. He graduated high school at Notre Dame in Harbor Woods and graduated college from the University of Michigan with an engineering degree. We have a lot in common, actually. He got a job working for a consulting company for about seven years after college and hated it. Ray partnered with his brother, Andy, and they bought their first investment property in 2008 with the intent to flip. And they still own it. (laughs) They pulled cash out using the shadiest broker and appraiser around, and they're still underwater, but they used that money to buy a couple rental properties. They used that experience to show that they knew how to evaluate deals, and they presented at an investor's meeting, which led to them getting private money for flips. Since they started, they have done about 50 deals in total. It's a combination of flips, rentals, turnkeys. Ray got his real estate license four years ago with the intention to use it to facilitate his own investments. He started working with buyers, sellers, and decided to quit his job and work in real estate full-time. He quit his engineering job three years ago. He now works as a real estate agent at Keller Williams, same office as I work at. It's nice to work with with good people. Mm -hmm. And he continues to invest in real estate with most of his deals coming from wholesalers and word of mouth. He's married with three children. He's got a three-year-old boy and two twins, man. Two-year-old boys. That's a lot. It's chaos. Your poor wife, man. (laughs) <laughs> three boys she's between lo- two and three. She's losing her mind. I would be too, man. That's a lot of, that's a lot of energy and go check out what he's doing. If you go to facebook.com forward slash Detroit real estate, 
that's uh, you can see some of his investment stuff there. Um, otherwise, you can go to raynemeke.com, N-E-M-E-C-K-A-Y, and this will all be in the show notes. And you can also check out a Zillow profile, zillow.com forward slash profile forward slash ray dash Nemeke, N-E-M-E-C-K-A-Y. Thanks for coming out, Ray. Thanks for having me. I didn't know you were an engineer, too. I didn't do it formally. I was an engineer in the Navy, and I fucking hated it as well. Well, I got into it. I knew when I was applying for school that I knew I liked numbers. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So if I applied straight to the engineering school, I didn't have to write an essay. And as it turned out, if I was in the engineering school, I didn't have any foreign language requirement. So it was perfect. So, I mean, I ended up going the easy route. I, I did the industrial and operations, which was involved a lot more business economics. The and, easy uh, route. There's no easy engineering. Well, comparatively speaking. I guess so. I guess so, so anyway, it was... Uh, I, I, so, but I still figured oh, I'm an engineer. I got to find an engineering job and did it. And real estate was after a couple of years, a couple of years in real estate was in my mind. And so that's why I hated my job. It just wasn't what I wanted to be doing. Yeah. I hated it too. I did it. I didn't go to college, but I went to the United States Navy and they put me through the Naval nuclear power program. And well, that's like serious. That's like real engineering. Although you're doing real engineering too. Yeah. I mean, lots of numbers. I mean, I had to run, I had to operate a plant. Anyway, long and store, short was just because you're good at something doesn't mean you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I found out pretty quick that I did not like that. And it was miserable. And I did it for several years. Just, I actually went out, was in college for three weeks and was going to, I joined to become an engineer. I'm like, what am really? I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do this forever? Like, no, stop. Yeah. So. So you did not like that. You and actually that was hilarious. You said so you went engineering to avoid the essay, basically, and the foreign was, language requirements. I was good with numbers. That's that's all I knew. You know? <laughs> I mean, I was in high school. You know, who knows what you wanted? What that's I really true. wanted to do. Yeah. So hey, I, I was good with numbers. Didn't like writing. Made sense. It's silly the way we set it up, right? You can just barely think. You still have all the hormones coursing through your body, <laughs> right? making you right? think everything looks good, ladies. And then, oh, by the way, make a life decision the next four or five years well, of you your still, life. Yeah, and you have, you know, you got you got adults and family and teachers and counselors and everything, and they all think it's a great idea. Of course they do. Yeah, you're going to have a good job, you know? But Yeah, uh, friends and you, family are not a good way to live your life. Yeah, well... Uh, you, you learn opinions change they and do. it's still, you know, their opinions probably are pretty similar, but it's mine that's changed. So, yeah, well, I look back at how stupid I was. My God, I bet I'm going to do the same thing in 10 years, right? If, oh yeah. You yeah. think, you know, at the, at the time, at any point in your life, you think, man, I'm so much smarter than I was a I couple years ago. Down. You got it down. And then you look back and you're like, like I'm so stupid. I, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. So you're doing <laughs> To basically to avoid the essay and the foreign language requirement, like, hey, I'm going to do this engineer thing, mm-hmm. get through, and that's still pretty hard. It's still a difficult thing to do, right? Numbers. Yeah. It, um, I, uh, when I got to college, I figured I was in a good school. You know, I figured, well, this is it. I got to get through, and I, and I got it made. And so the first semester, the first year, I had fun. I had a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And I almost... You know what? I think they call it the square club. You know what the square club is? No, no. If you square your grade point average and it goes down. <laughs> <laughs> so I almost I almost made it. So I was on probation after. Ooh. Yeah. So I had to I had to get 
shit buttoned up. Um, so I did, and I, you know, I learned to work a little bit harder, smarter, and um, got better. So, but the whole time I was, you know, fighting from behind, you know, just trying to get get the GPA up, get a uh, hireable. Yeah, like, well, yeah. If you're going to go through all that, you, they do ask if you're going to get an engineering job. They ask what your GPA is, right? They want to oh, know. Yeah, yeah. You got to if you want one of the good ones. They're, they're one of the big ones. One of the companies are coming out looking for you. Yeah, yeah. Because they're comparing you to all, all your classmates. So. so they run you through the meat grinder, and you come out industrial engineer, right? Industrial and operation engineer on the other side. You go mm-hmm. get a you go get a job. How long into that before you realize that's not what you wanted to do? Um, <clears throat> you're like day right. one. <laughs> so yeah, it was me. It was I was. I had an internship. It was at Chrysler. It was before. I can't remember when it was. I think it was before my. It might have been actually. It might have been after I had graduated. But it was like whatever. It was something to give me some experience. And there, I had met a woman who was. She was. um, My it was through safety, which is one of the components of industrial and operations engineering. But at Chrysler, their HR department involved safety and human or whatever else it was labor and something else so the idea was okay i'm gonna go work for hr and safety well i got hired in hr (laughs) doing not safety at all like i was i ended up kind of being pseudo in charge of the fmla program you familiar with that i don't know what that is family medical leave act so if people need to if they have a a family member who's ill or pregnant women you know they get that's a job it's Something that you can be, you can apply for it, and that way you can get time off of work. I died a little bit with you telling me about it. Yeah, yeah unpaid time off work. Anyway, this is so boring. Nobody cares. About no, no, we're shit. interested, but yeah, this 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 is what'll drive anyway, you crazy. So this is not an engineer's job. No, but I'm in I'm in HR. It's so like all right, I got to finish this. But halfway through, a woman came in and and she started. She was uh, working part time, and you know I got to meet her, and I was showing her what I was doing because she was going to be doing that full time once I my internship was over. So, I was talking to her and uh I think her husband I think was disabled, so she wasn't work or he wasn't working. She was only working part time and she had kids and I'm thinking in my head I'm thinking you know, how could she afford how can she keep the family going at, at working part time? So, she ended up talking to me about Real estate, and she's like, "Boom! Hey, have you ever read Rich? Have you heard of Rich Dad Poor Dad?" I love. See, this is why I like it. It's like nobody cares about this. Life is funny. Yeah, it's the small little things. So that's what that's what piqued my interest. And so, so you're an intern at Chrysler, and you're you're teaching the incoming person how to do your job. And she's uh-huh. like, "Have you ever heard of Rich Dad Poor Dad?" Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's so, all it took, huh? Yeah. So that's when that's where my interest started. And she, you know, she gave me some details about it, but that's where the interest first started. So that was before I actually had my job. So I knew, well, I kind of knew that I didn't really want the job, but I needed it. So I took it. So oh, yeah, you're stuck. You know, it takes a while to get, get things moving and being poor on the street exactly. doesn't help anybody. No, right? yeah. not at all. Less capital is not a good thing. No, it's not. You can do it from nothing, but it's a lot easier with something. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I still, my mindset still wasn't, still wasn't to the point where, you know, just, just do it. Just make it work. It was, well, I still need, I need a job. Yeah. So feels like a, what, like, um, like a seatbelt or like a parachute or something like that. Yeah. Just in case shit. Right. Yeah. Parachute's good. Cause you know, 
it'd save you, but it'd also slow you down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, and sometimes you pull it, it tangles up, and you die anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> All those people That's... at WorldCom who had their pensions there, yeah. they thought they had a parachute. <laughs> Choked them yeah. to death on the way down, you know? Five yeah. cents on the dollar. Yeah. That was a crushing way to learn, by the way. Things have changed, and you no longer matter, right? Yeah, and 30 years in. Oh, start over. Oh, yeah. Now you got to do it when you're 50. Probably mm-hmm. fat, can't really walk, <laughs> watch too much TV, sitting at a desk too long. Now you got to start over. Yep. So did you read Rich Dad Poor Dad? Obviously, at some point. Yeah, a couple of times. I actually, I just, I was had a family trip to Chicago this past week, and on the way back, it was late. Kids were sleeping, and uh, I listened to it, the audiobook, listened to it again. Just reminded me. There's a there's reminded me why why uh, it influenced me so much to be to begin with. Absolutely. So, so you you do this inter- internship. She says, rich dad, poor dad, you read the book and then you take a job consulting somewhere else. How did this metastasize, right? Right. You're caterpillar. You're going to become a beautiful butterfly, Ray. Yeah. Real estate investor. There's, but there's some pain, right? There's some pain. You got to punch the clock somewhere. So I was listening to, I think it was a radio advertisement. So rich dad, poor dad, right? So Robert Kiyosaki, and it turns out he sells real estate courses. So I heard it, you know, it's a weekend thing and you know, you come in. Or you actually come in, you know, it's the upsell. So you come in for two hours and they upsell you. It's 500 bucks for the weekend. You can yeah. bring somebody. And then from there, you know, they get offer all these other courses. So I got my brother, Andy, he's, you know, he was interested. and was like, well, let's go do it. So we did the weekend thing. And then, you know, they sold us on, on all these other classes. And, you know, this is what we can do. So, you know, we're like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And so we were still kind of, um, so we both had jobs. We're both, you know, investing you know pseudo investing looking at things um but one of the other things that we that we had paid for was to have an investor come and spend a weekend with us and that really got us that really worked i mean that because it got us it got us doing stuff you know i mean it's not like we're just reading this about this on the internet i mean it was actually we're out doing stuff you're making offers right you're driving around he made us he made us make offers you know he's like you know you have to do you have to do homework before he got there you know, find a realtor, find, you know, figure out where you want to invest and do all this stuff. And, um, so we, you know, we networked and figured out who we were going to use, got it all ready. And he was out there and yeah, we were throwing offers out. Was this in 2007, 2008? When yeah. was this? Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me the story you told me though, too, earlier. Cause it's kind of, it's a small world sometimes where you said, um, you were actually in a coffee shop. When oh you yeah, saw, yeah. 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 So when we had, so when this guy, this mentor came out, um, we were sitting there. We're at a coffee shop. We're kind of planning our our day out, and uh, look, we look over, and he just I think he had pointed out, you know, he's like, "Hey, this is something you can do." And Urban Detroit Wholesalers, there's a business card on the uh, on the bulletin board. And I remember seeing it, and then a few months later, I remember seeing, you know, a newspaper article. And it's like, oh yeah, that, those are the guys that those are the guys we had that we found this business card. And so that was my first introduction to you. Yeah. The long dead urban Detroit wholesalers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's like, Hey, this guy's, this guy's doing, you know, we're in the, it's like, okay, well we know we're in the right spot because this guy's doing it. Yeah. The other thing that he did is he met us, he was working on a deal and he had to do, um, he was like, he was, he had a hard money loan or he was looking for a hard money loan and Ed Norton. Yeah. So we actually went out and he was the guy that was going to be, I don't know if he was given the hard money or an intermediary or or what, but we went and met 
and met him too. And that was it. Bob Norton. Bob, Bob Norton, not dead. Yeah, yeah, and his brother Jerry, right? Yep. Yeah. So we met Bob and um anyway, so it was just like, you know, as it turns out, I mean, we were meeting or finding people that were kind of doing big things and that we never would have uh we never would have found if he hadn't been there. So I did this something similar, but I did um, Robert Allen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really didn't like the courses, but I got the mentorship too, where we did the, they call it a three day boot camp. Yeah. And right. that's what we did. We went around in the same similar situation, right? We had to find, we had to figure out where we wanted to invest, find a real estate agent. And he'd walk around, and he made us make offers. A question for it was it just you and your brother, or was there a few other people with you? During the the mentor yeah, thing, the no, it was just me and him. Okay, just me. When we did it, we did it in a with a group of other people, and nobody else did anything. So I was going to ask you if it was a no. Well, I mean, we uh, yeah, that it, for that weekend, you know, we took classes. There was a couple other classes, and those were like weekend or a couple day classes. And so we went to I think Philadelphia and a couple other Chicago, and so those classes, I don't. I don't remember what all of them were, but those, you know, the information that we got, I don't know that we really use it. Maybe there's some that trickles over. Um, but it was, it was just the fact that we took, we actually took action and he made us take action. That was the biggest thing. That is, I think that is the biggest thing. That's why I don't regret doing it. Doing something is almost always better than doing nothing. Right. And I don't know, taking that action, you know, I was like, yeah, that's mine. That's yours. That's Sorry. fine. They can't hear it. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully, anyway. <laughs> You're ruining my podcast, Ray. <laughs> Just right, kidding. I'll quit. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll go quit. Go get my job back. So, okay. Yeah. So, the mentorship worked for you, right? And you, you and your brother started making some offers. Did you get any offers accepted? Yeah. Well, that? actually, that we got an offer accepted while we were on the mentorship. All right. Or not one of the offers, one of the houses we had offered on while he was there, I believe. Um, so, we bought this house. <laughs> and our numbers were off. <laughs> that happens, right? Yeah, the first was, one especially. Yeah, I mean, we didn't know. We really walk didn't me know. through. Walk me through the nightmare of all the mistakes you made on your first deal, right? Well, all right. So we, uh, yeah, we bought it thinking, okay, it's worth X. And in the mean, while we're doing this, we're in. You know, this is not. This is like the beginning of, or the middle of the, of where shit's just going downhill. You know, market values are just dropping. 2008 was literally like pushed Detroit real estate off a cliff. Yeah. That's exactly. It started early in 2007, like rolling down in 2008, January came. It's like, ah, yeah. So it was, so we, we bought it. We're thinking, okay, we'll fix it. This is about how much we have to put into it. And this is what we'll sell it for. And you know, we'll, uh, we'll do good. You know, we'll make a lot of money. Um, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> but so part of, so the shady thing about it is we were able to, I think we borrowed against credit cards to buy the house because we bought it for you know, twenty grand or something. Where um, is it at? So it's a Harper. Or, or. It's it was on a. It's like Harper. Um, Cor. It's on Corville, which is Outer Drive. It's called Morningside. That's the community in Detroit. Yeah. So Detroit. Your first deal is in Detroit. Oh yeah, it's in Detroit. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, um. Man, you got but balls. We, You're like fuck it. Well, I'm all in. Well, we grew up like six blocks from there, so we thought we thought we knew it. I mean, it turns out, I mean, that neighborhood it starts going, really starts going to shit once you get a little bit past there. Yeah, but um, I don't know. We thought, hey, we know this area. We lived here. 
it'll be good. But the way, so anyway, we were able to buy the house and we had, my brother had a buddy who, who was a mortgage broker and he, he was like, well, you know, just cash it out. Just do a cash out refi on it. So we bought this house and this is a piece of shit house. And he sent an appraiser out. We haven't done any work to it yet. But he sent an appraiser and this appraiser takes pictures and he takes pictures that are like zoomed <laughs> way in. So he gets like three cabinets in the shot. It ends up, ends up pulling it off, you know, says it appraises for, I don't know, $90,000. And, you know, so we pulled out a bunch of cash figuring, okay, well, well, we'll fix it with this money. And anyway, so we, f- we fixed it and just, we couldn't, you know, we were so upside down. Did you try and sell it or did yeah, you we tried it? selling it? We listed it. Uh, we, didn't get, I don't think we got any showings. No, I mean, it was just, it was bad. That was brutal. Then I remember I was looking at houses every day and I remember that winter of, uh, I guess it's the winter of 2007, beginning of 2008. There were literally thousands of houses mm-hmm. on the MLS in Detroit and it would snow and I'd walk up for days. And no matter how many houses I looked at, there was never another set of footprints. It was always virgins. Really? Like it was, yeah, it was almost like a wasteland. Everybody just died. It just gave up. <laughs> oh, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how many houses like, we walked in and they were, you know, the water in the basement was running. Oh yeah. You know, that's, that's a Detroit special right there. Yeah. I mean, there was, uh, we saw them with, I mean, there was water spraying from the floor to this, to the first floor floor. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, like the whole floor is buckled, and it's like it's that one's a look. That's a goner. Yeah, yep, that one's no good. That's that's not going to make it. Yeah. So you bought this Corville, and your idea was I'm going to buy it, fix it, and were you going to put a renter in it, or were no? You we flip it? we were going to flip it, but we didn't have the money to fix it. So that's ah, what the okay. cash out refi was. So you bought it without even a plan to, to figure out how to to yeah. rehab it. Yeah. That's maybe not the smartest thing. No. Nope. But taking action. That that is the smartest thing, right? Yeah. Sometimes you got to do something without knowing, yeah, yeah, what it, what it's going to be. Yeah, but basically, it was, so after a while, you know, it's like, all right, well, we're not going to sell it, so we put a renter in it. Um, but then we still had a little bit of cash left, so we ended up buying a rental property, Detroit was it or Harper Woods. Harper Woods, yeah, yeah. So we bought that same thing. I mean, we kind of had the money to fix it, but ended up taking a little bit more than we needed. So I don't know. We we made it. We we made it work, and while we're working on this house, um, we're, I think we're pulling mines off the chimney or something. At the time of the neighbor next door, he's like this old guy, and he's like just. I, I, he started talking to us, and he's like, "Who the fuck? Who is that?" Um, but uh, so we kind of you know we talked to him for a few times while we were there, and he's like, "Well, do you want to buy my house?" He was looking to move, get out of there, go to Florida or something. And we're like, oh, we don't really, I mean, would you do a land contract? You know, so we don't really have the money. He's like, yeah, I'll do a land contract. So, Damn, a little so, seller financing. Yeah, so we were, so we ended up buying this. Basically, we had to get him out of what he owed. I think he had like maybe six grand in back taxes that he owed. And he, he had a, the, a loan. And it was, I think it was only 15 or 18,000 on Dude, the loan. Dude, that's a good deal. Yeah, and he's financing. He's still financing it, or it's not paid off yet. You send him Christmas cards. I would thank you very much. Nope, I nope, don't. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. Can't get a hold of him. Actually, I don't. I don't know. But um, so anyway, that first bad deal, as dumb as it was, and the fact that we still own it are still underwater, it led to us getting these next two, which are which are very good deals. Yeah, that's first deal. 
similar thing, right? You, you don't always do well on your first deal. In fact, it took me a couple before I uh, before I got my stride, but you learn from them. And yeah. I, I'm sure you don't regret, right? How <clears throat> taking the action, at least for me, is what was what worked for me. Absolutely, yeah. That's the big. That's the big key for me. Is just you know what we uh, we we did it. It's what it took to get us into it. I mean, paying for these classes. You know, did we really? For the most part, did we get our money's worth? No. But we got this guy that made us do some work. Accountability too, right? You drop, I mean, if you're anything, you probably drop several grand, right? I dropped. <laughs> Tens of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I dropped 50 personally. We didn't that, go that much. I think it's 30. Yeah. The Robert Allen thing was me and my wife. And it, it is stupid. But yeah. at the same time, it's, it's serious commitment. Yeah. You better, you better work. You got to pay this off. I know people who did it and they never did anything. And I, I just... I knew if I if I paid the money, I would do something. And yeah. I'm not saying you should go out and do this. I don't think anybody should do it. it's right for you, right? But there's better, yeah. There's better ways. Absolutely, it, but it did make me do something, and yeah. obviously, it made you do something, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that. I mean, now there's you can get involved without because I think most of the people that go to those are people that have never done anything. And this was before there was really podcasts and yeah, there's yeah, YouTube was just barely. Yeah, a there's thing. so much information now. I was one of the first people doing video walkthroughs on houses on YouTube, and mm-hmm. Google hadn't even bought it yet. It was still its own thing. It was still yeah. losing money. It was literally in a different world. You're then. a pioneer. Yeah, that the problem with being a pioneer is you take the arrows in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I took more than my few, but I, yeah. I, I'm not complaining about that because my dumb ass did some stupid shit too, right? Yeah. You know, you fuck with the bull, you get the horns. So don't feel sorry for me, folks. So you end up doing this Harper Woods, and then you pull up a seller financing right next to it just talking. <clears throat> How did your business plan develop? Because it kind of looks – so did you flip or did you keep both those ones in Harper We kept Woods? both of those. Okay. And so that was our intention was to keep those. Okay. So you wanted like, okay, we're just going to do rentals. It didn't change. Like we still wanted to – we wanted to do a combination. The thought was, okay, well, we'll – those ones were they, they look like good rental deals. It's like all right, this because rentals were always part of the plan. But the idea was okay, we'll flip a couple, buy a rental, flip a couple, buy a rental. Okay, um, but those ones were just they were there, they were available, you know, for the money that we could afford or the money that we had available. Um, so it worked. Keep yourself busy. Keep yourself active. Learn. Keep us involved. Yeah, yeah. There's something to be said for staying involved somehow. Yeah. I think it's a good way to do it. When did you start your first real flip? When did that come up and, and how did you find it? How'd you, how'd you come, you know, how'd you evaluate it? Walk me through it. So we, um, we presented, we were in a, an investor group and, uh, and he got us up. It was a smaller group, probably 30 people that would go to it. And every, you know, we'd meet monthly. Anyway, he brought us up and he just had us basically present what we're doing. And so, we started, we talked about these two rentals that we had and uh, talked about how, you know, how we found them, how we analyzed them and um, basically just the mindset how we're, and what we wanted to do. So, you know, we talked about wanting to do flips. And so after that, there was a couple people, there was one guy in particular that said, Hey, come talk to me afterwards. And so he wanted to, he wanted to partner. He had a little bit of money, wanted to do something. So, um, we're like, okay, now we got to go find, we got to go find a flip. So we were looking, um, estimating was, we always kind of had a decent idea of, of what things are going to cost. Well, we, I guess we should, from the first couple, 
houses. Yeah, you figure it out quick. We learned. Right? Yeah. yeah, we learned. <laughs> so yeah, reality is a tough teacher. Yeah, but I mean, as far as as far as what it's going to be worth, you know, we counted on. We had a realtor that we were using at the time, and you know, we counted on him to for that. So anyway, figure out what it's worth. Figure out what it costs to do it, and you backtrack. Figure out what you could offer. Did you get a good deal on that one? Yeah, that was percentage wise is the best deal we've ever done. Yeah. We had to put in like I think we only put like eight grand into it. Maybe ten, I don't know, twelve, I don't know, something like that. But we as soon as we uh we listed it and like three days in we had an all cash offer. And these people wanted to close like in seven days. Damn. So yeah, from the start to finish it took two months max. That's as good as it can get, just about for a fix and flip, right? Yeah, and it was. I mean, we made, I don't know, twenty, thirty grand on it. So I mean, it was. Investors were thrilled. Hell yeah! I mean, it was like a hundred and let's do a hundred more of these. Yeah, it was like a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty percent like ROI on this deal. It was stupid, but um, it was awesome. So yeah, from there, I mean, then it was like, now we had now we had some more evidence that we knew what we were doing. Well, it also, you're underlining the importance of talking to people about what you're doing. Yeah. You would not have gotten that seller finance deal if you hadn't talked to the neighbor about what you were doing. Right. If you hadn't gone to this investment group and talked about what you're doing, you wouldn't have got the private money and you wouldn't have flipped that house. I mean, yep. I think some people try and like hide their little precious idea like it's a pearl. It's just like a diamond. It's perfect and I can't show it to the world. I mean, you got to share it to the world, man. If you want some help, you're not going to do it all on your own, right? Yeah. And you know, it's not like you have anything that's that great. <laughs> it's unlikely as far as this industry goes. I mean, yeah, you're not reinventing anything. No, nobody's really a genius in this. It's all been uh-huh. done a million times before, right? Just how yeah. well can you copy? Yeah, and adapt. Yeah. So, and then we, you know, there's no reason to be the lone wolf. And really. you decided to partner with your brother too. Uh-huh. Do you guys get along pretty well, or how did that? <laughs> Um, yeah, Maybe. I mean, we butt heads. We've all, you know, I guess we always did, but I mean, in a way, you know, we were kind of, I don't know, I guess we were, we both had strong personalities. Yeah. And so it, uh, I think, it, you know, we ended up talking, we talked, you know, every day since then. So in a lot of ways brought us closer, but we still, I mean, we still bump heads. How'd you do the division of labor? And I mean, cause right. You, you, cause you are partners, right? Yeah. Uh, initially it was kind of like, there was a lot of overlap. Yeah. Lots of overlap. And so it means probably lots of friction too, right? Whenever there's overlap, there's friction. Yeah. I mean, it was still, we were still like, we were still making money. We we're still doing well with it. So it's like, okay, you know, it was, it was working out. Okay. You know, we did a lot of work on these first few houses too. So okay. we were doing the work ourselves. Oh, quite wow. A, Quite a bit of it, not all of it. I mean, we brought in contractors for the stuff that was beyond us, but we were still doing a lot, a lot of, a lot of labor, anyways. What made you decide to to do the work yourself? You just wanted to get dirty, or trying to save money, or yeah, just kind of figure. Well, we we can do it, and it was the, yeah, that was the thing. It's like, all right, well, we'll save money. You know, we don't have to pay for it. I mean, the reality is, is I mean, by the time you go to Home Depot like four times to do this project, money. yeah, I mean, you haven't saved anything. You're better off just. You're better off paying. Especially you working a job then too. Were you married by this point, or when did you get married? No, not yet. Okay, so that's coming. Well, yeah, it was. It was, actually, yeah, it was. By the time we were flipping, I was married to Yeah. 
So now you so, have a job and you're flipping and you have a new family, right? The family wasn't there yet. Okay. Yeah, that but um the kids weren't there yet, I should say. Um but yeah, so you know, we were doing we we're still doing one at a time, kind of, two at a time. But yeah, it was it was time consuming. I mean I I I mean it was basically I got home from work, went to work at these houses, worked on the weekends, kinda I mean spent a lot of time doing it. Yeah. Lots of time. Was that like your first year or two, or how long do you think you did it that way? Um, once we were, it was for a while, yeah. for a while. I mean, I kind of, I got out of it a little bit. I got out of doing most of, or he, Andy was still doing work. Um, but I got out of doing most of it. I would still go and do some. And I would still be, you know, showing up at the houses regularly, you know, every day, every other day, something like that. But yeah, I kind of, I had to, you know, I, I, I didn't have the time. And then once the kids came, then it was, yeah, that's just, that's then it was done. Yeah. yeah. I, I just can't, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So that was the real, that was the real <laughs> cutoff point. How'd you divide, how'd you eventually end up dividing up the labor and who does what? Um, I'll usually analyze look at the deals, figure out, you know, what's it worth? What's, what can we sell it for? Can we make money? At, what can we offer? Um, he's in charge of the day to day on, on fixing it, getting it ready. Um, you know, I get, I do the accounting. Basically he does the, uh, he does a lot of the other stuff. Anything else that kind of pops up, he'll okay. do, but so he's more like a project manager, yeah. You're more like you find the deal, you analyze the deal. Who, yeah. who brings the money? Do you both put in money or do you bring in private money or private money? Private money, yeah. Yeah. So we you know, we we reuse the we have the same network. So we yeah. use the same people, um the same investors most of the time. Um a repeatable process that does that's one thing that keeps coming up again and again and again is yeah. if you don't have a repeatable process, you don't make it. Yeah, and when you especially when you're selling you you know you're selling this deal to a to an investor or not I mean to a a private financer you know you need to be able to show them you need to be able to show them look first I know what I'm doing second this is there's here's evidence and and that's and it kind of so it's all kind of all developed like you know we got the same the same spreadsheet that we send to these guys every time yeah. you know it's the same process every time and so you know for the first time or two it's it's hard to or there's more convincing needed after you've done it a few times it's like now the guy will you know the guys will just look at and say all right makes sense let's do it evidence is that that always works the evidence always works right yeah which is and that's why we you know that's why we started like the facebook page it's just it's like social proof it's like okay yeah let's see who else comes let's see who else comes from it and so it was just more just documenting that we've been doing this. How'd you decide where to flip and what your farm areas were? And what are those areas too? Because people listen, they might want to sell you a deal, right? Lots of wholesalers <laughs> right. listen to this, right? So. Um, we, uh, initially it was, we, we were just buying around where we lived. So we're from the east side. So that's where we're buying deals. Sinclair east Shores. <laughs> Sinclair Shores, uh, it made sense. It was a good market. It was like kind of an entry level you know, first time home buyers could afford to live there. And so most of our, initially most of our flips were St. Clair Shores, I think the first, 
well, all right around there. When we could, when you could just pull them off the MLS, yeah, I and when it was really days, the good yeah. days, when you could just, yeah, just go out and look at like six houses that might be deals and offer on four of them. Um, so that's what we focused. After, I mean, once was about was almost a year and a half ago. I think a year and a half ago was the last time we actually bought something off the MLS. Since then, it's been wholesalers, and so we're kind of <laughs> wherever they find the deals, we'll still analyze it. And figure out if it makes sense. Yeah, it can't be as picky. Not at all. Yeah. So we've uh, we've gone a lot further out. I mean, we've done Livonia, Rochester, Berkeley, Royal Oak. Mm, still doing Sinclair Shores, Gross Point. So it's kind of it's where we can find them. So now it's just wherever you can find the deals at that makes sense, right? Yeah. And I think I mean I think that's the case for a lot of people. If you're yeah. doing direct mail or if you're, whatever you're doing, you're kind of casting a wide net. I like to say, at least right now, that I don't discriminate based on geography. Yeah, you can't. I mean, there's cert, there's limits. You I know. don't want to go more than about an hour. Exactly. Yeah. But beyond that, it's like, pickings. Pickings are a little yeah. slim. A deal's a deal's a deal. Yep. Yeah. Is this going to make me money? Yep. Yes, I'm going to do it. Okay. Um, how many of you guys working on at a time now? We have uh, we have two on the market now. We have one in rehab right now. And then we have another one that we just got under contract yesterday, kind of. Okay. Congratulations. So, thank you. Actually, we haven't signed the contract yet, but, right, but you're going to, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Should have it. Is this with Hopefully. another wholesaler? Yes, it is. Okay. Do I know this wholesaler? Probably. Probably. Yeah. I know all the wholesalers. Yeah. You've probably seen the deal. So yeah, I, don't know. I was going to take a guess, but I'm not going to do that right now. Yeah. So. Not now. Yeah. <laughs> not till it's pinned. That's right. Yeah, it's probably won't you know. be released for, for several weeks anyway, but right. still. So you're still actively looking, still actively buying. Yeah. Let's rewind a little bit because there's that seven years when you're kind of before you have a family, before you have a wife, you're you read this book, you're doing this engineering thing at a consulting company, and you're doing real estate engineering and the family thing all at the same time. Walk me through what a day look like right like what time did you wake up and you had to go do work then you had to run and do that because a lot of people i think a lot of people have this idea in their head like they just start they get rich and they just move on they they, they tend to ignore all that <laughs> sacrifice and all that time you just lose right and then how long did you do it there was there was a while because my well part of my job was i spent a decent amount of time on the road so for like, you know, I'd go, would, there'd be a project that would take a couple of days. So I'd go usually within Michigan, but might be a couple hours from home. And, um, so I spent a lot of time just on the road. So, I mean, the, you sacrifice quite a bit of, you know, fun things, you know, you don't really, there's not, when we had a deal, when we had a house that we had, were fixing, I mean, I was, that was kind of all my free time was doing that. So my wife, you know, Thank God. I mean, she wasn't thrilled with it, but she understood that this is what I wanted to be doing. You know, this is where the direction I want to take my life. And so she was supportive in that, in that regard. And so, but yeah, I mean, it was not, it was, there was <laughs> not get rich quick, still not rich, you know, yeah. <laughs> still working, still working on that. But, um, it was, a just a lot of grinding basically. Yeah. How long do you, how long did you do the real estate and the job at the same time? The flipping, yeah. Um, because I know you quit three years ago, right? Ish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, yeah, I guess it was about three years. I mean, I was doing real estate for three, four years, probably over that. Yeah. Lots more on the way I did it. I just quit my job and jumped into it, which, by the way, is maybe not the best way to do it. So, <laughs> so my story about quitting my job, I, um, all right, so I knew real estate was it, right? So I'm, uh, flipping it wasn't to the point where I thought they would be able to support the family, you know, because we still had debts to pay off. Um, so I, I didn't think I could quit, make enough money flipping, pay off everything I needed to pay and live the right life. So I actually had applied for a job at Quicken and I, I had a, the interview of my life and I ended up, you know, they, cause they tell you, you know, you can make so much and, and then, I had this interview that went really well and this guy wanted me to work directly with him. And so it went from, okay, you're going to be starting at like 50. Assuming you put in the work, you're going to be starting around 50 to, okay, now you're going to be starting around 90. So basically doubling what I was making at my job. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm on board. Um, I'm going to do it. And uh, so it was the training wasn't starting for like a month and a half. Um, but we're going through the paperwork, you know, getting the official, the official hiring paperwork. And so they asked, they did the background. And at this point I had my license, my real estate license. And so on the form, it's like, do you have your real estate license? Would you give it up? And I just put on there something like, I prefer not to. Um, yeah, they don't like you to have a license for some reason. Not at all. Yeah. Conflict of interest, but they wouldn't. Anyway, I'm, I'm talking to my recruiter. I'm talking to everybody, and it's like everything's. He's like, yeah, everything's fine. We're just waiting for a piece of paper to come back, and you'll sign it. It'll be good. And so now it's getting to the point where I'm waiting for this paperwork. This it's supposed this training is supposed to start in two weeks. I don't have it. But I gotta give my two weeks notice. So I'm like, fuck it. I give my two weeks notice. Damn. <laughs> so two days later. <laughs> it's always this way, isn't it? Yeah, two, days, two later. days later, I get a call from somebody from Quicken who I didn't know. And yeah, she's like, we're rescinding your offer. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, why? And she wouldn't tell me anything. She just wouldn't tell me anything. And I'm just like, fuck, I don't, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what's happening now. But it turns out, I mean, from my recruiter, I ended up just kind of slipping a little bit and saying, yeah, it's because it, it basically I had my license. And so they wouldn't hire me. But the thing is, like on the paperwork, I didn't say I wouldn't give it up. I said I'd just rather not. Yeah, if that's they were, actually a common story. They don't. They don't want you. They, they want you them to be their only thing. They want your whole life. Not even. Yeah. You can't share it with anybody. Well, I think I thought I was under the impression that it was like, you know, they don't want me giving somebody a loan on a house that I'm flipping or a house that I'm representing just because they yeah. don't. No. no, no, they don't give a shit about that. <laughs> they just don't. <laughs> you just need to. I know a lot of people like a blood go all the way. They, yeah, they just want. They'll say it's a conflict of interest, and I can see how they could, but they really just want your whole life. You know, gotcha. And if they can't have your whole life, they're quite ruthless, as you can tell. Yeah, yeah. So, so there you are. Nothing. No so safety go, net. Well, I had to go back to the and ask for my job back. Oh my god, that sucked balls. Yes. Did they give it back to you? Yes. Oh my god! What, so uh, remember that? Uh, I'm yeah, so sorry. Just kidding. <laughs> but um. So anyway, that was the first time I, I quit my job. That's so, why you don't quit like an asshole, right? Right. So you could, if you have to do back, come back on your hands and knees. By the way, <laughs> yeah, work out. Yeah. So thankfully, thankfully they took me back. Yeah. Um, they weren't happy though. <laughs> but um. So then, I go to quit my job. You know, about three years ago. 
and I give my two weeks notice. And this time it's like, this time it's for real. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not coming back. So a week in, find out my wife's pregnant. It's like, oh, fuck. And it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not going back. Yeah, you're so, to do this twice. Yeah. yeah so it's no. like, whatever I'm, this is going to have to work. And we kind of had projected out. We had a number of flips going and a couple other deals going. So I was like, okay, this is going to work. But now it's like, this has to work. So that was a little, that was a little, a little hairy for a little bit. Walk me through the, cause you, you mentioned before we started, or maybe it was in early in the podcast where you hadn't got to where I'm going to make it work. Some, somewhere there's there. And, and I know when this happened to me too, it goes from, I'm, I'm trying to make this work. This is kind of working. This is my life too. It's just going to work. I'm going to figure it out. Did it, if you can kind of walk me through how, how your thought process, because I remember what it was like for me. What, what was it like for you? I don't know that there was any ever like a defining moment. I, I mean, I was always confident that it was going to work and it was going to be something, but um, getting to the point where I could prove it to myself and everybody else, it was probably, I mean, it took a few years. It, like I said, there was no real point, but it was probably just you know a couple months before I'd quit my job. There really was like a couple months is like, yeah, I know I can do it. I just need to do it. I just need to do it. I just need to do it. And then finally it's just like, all right, I'm doing it. So, I mean, it took, you know, I was talking to my wife about it for, it was a couple months before I actually pulled the trigger and, and did it. But, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, the nice thing for me, the safety net was, all right, so, so if I'm, uh, if we're flipping these houses and I would be, you know, I the agent on it. So there's a commission coming from the houses. And so we had a number of them going at the, at once. It's like, okay, worst case scenario this year, worst case, I should make this much money, which was more than I was making at my job. So it's like, okay, so worst case is this. So there was that kind of, you know, things could always go wrong, but that was kind of the safety net, I guess. But I mean, I, I still thought I could, no matter what happened, I would make it work. Some time passed, right? Did you think that three years before that? No matter. What no, happened? not at all. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, it took. I mean, it took a couple of years of doing it. And it took some. It took successful deals. You know, once you start lining them up, yeah, one after another, it's like, you know, yeah, no big deal. I can do this. It's easy. Well, and you decide to become an agent too initially to kind of what you're just trying yeah. to get more of the money, right? Why share or just trying to facilitate your own deals or? Yeah, I mean, it's this way. I don't need to. You know, I can go look at houses. I mean, we had agents that would just kind of give us lockboxes, but it was still like that never happens, right? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't it happens all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I would it, never do it either. But yeah, I mean, it was like it was that. It was being able to. I mean, one of the things that I'm that I one of my roles is obviously figuring out what these houses are worth. So having access to the MLS and being able to do my own yeah. research, figure out you know what can I really sell this comps, for? getting comps because <laughs> the MLS is the single best place for information oh it's the only place to, to it's the only place yeah. you can run comps on i mean i look at zillow i look at appraisal just because i, I want to know what the sellers well i'm doing the wholesaling thing i know that. i can uh, always I tell you. they're like yeah 68 and you go to zillow it's 68 you're like should have yeah yeah that's how you figured out that number right yeah. i have to look because sure. i know it there but you can't make I, well i guess it's a decision off that right? yeah well i right? guess it's <laughs> the same thing because you know you're not i'm not my end buyers are are using realtors. So yeah. that's exactly what they're going to be doing. Yeah. Taking um, a peek. Yeah. 
But you never want to, I, I, I emphasize this, that is not the most accurate place for information, folks. You definitely want to get your comps from whatever MLS is in your area. That will always be, at least right now, the most accurate place for comparables. That's what, I mean, what we, what, what's most important is if you're flipping a house is you need to, you don't, it's not what somebody is willing to pay necessarily. It's, you know, you need to have, it needs to appraise. And so you need to use the data that the appraisers are using and the yeah. realtors are using. And It's all off the MLS. Yeah. Absolutely. Multiple listing service, whatever one you're using in your area. So, so you did that, but then you're like, huh, I can do this other real tarred stuff on the side. I mean, realtor stuff on the side, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. And then it, yeah. So that was the, that was the original idea. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that the original idea was to help with my own stuff, but that was part of the plan with me quitting my job is okay. I'm still going to use this primarily for our own deals, but I can use it and, uh, and make some extra money. So I can help a couple people do a couple deals and, you know, it's all good. But it kind of, you know, it's transitioned since then. Yeah. yeah. Well, the market's changed a lot too, right? It's changed tons. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I became a realtor, you know, it is, we are definitely in a market going up right now. Mm-hmm. And when you're going up, it is for wholesalers and flippers, a lot of people think that's good and it's actually bad. They don't understand that when it's bad, it's good. And when it's good, it's not as good. Right. right. Unless you catch, we caught a couple that were like, we bought them and then spring hit and all of a sudden the market went nuts. Yeah. And so by, we were fixing it and we were just gaining equity just while we were rehabbing it just because of uh, the market. But yeah, usually now I figure I'm in a good position no matter what happens with the market. If the market yes. keeps going up, okay, well, I'm an agent. Uh, commissions are better. Market going up is really good for agents. Yes. Yeah. But if it crashes again... Great. Now I can now I can, that can yeah. steal houses. It's going know. to. It's going to. Eventually. Yeah. But yeah, I figured, you know, this is the best of both worlds. Yeah. It is interesting. That's one that's one thing I do enjoy about getting a little older and becoming just a smidge more patient. I don't, what what is your patience like? I I'm very patient. You're very patient. Okay. Yeah. I am learning to be patient because <laughs> I have the patience of a gnat. And five years ago, I'm like, I'll do it all right now, you know. Just oh, yeah. just do all the things right now. I'm probably too patient. Yeah. And that does not pay well on the market. You do not. No. no. You need patience yeah. in the marketplace to make the good money, to make yeah. the big money. You know, Now is very short-sighted, folks. Please learn from somebody who focused on now for way too long. You yeah. Know? Well, you, you shouldn't you, ignore you to, now. But you, you need to – yeah, you need to – you need to pick where you're aggressive. You know, yeah. it's like, like, I mean, for us, it's, you know, we see deals every day. They don't all make sense. Yeah. So you wait. And then once you find the right one, you jump on it. It's the same thing I tell buyers that I'm dealing with. You know, this is the market, the way the market is, you know, wait for the house you want. But then when you see it, you better pounce. You better, yeah, yeah. you better. And you know, they're not lowballing any, you're not lowballing houses. You know, we'll tell you, I'll tell you what it's worth. But you need to understand that you need to pay what it's worth and, and you need to act quick. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just not going to get it. You're not going to get it. Yeah. There's too many people. You're- yeah. That's good advice for wholesalers, too. In a hot market, if you see a deal that works for you, you better do something about it because they go fast. I get this email all the time. I'm looking for a flip I can make $50,000 on. I, I'm tempted to respond. Yeah, me too. Let me know when you find it, right? And I'll buy it from you. You know, it's like, I, what the fuck? Come on. I get, yeah, I get, I get a lot of, I get a lot of contact contacts either through being a realtor or being whatever, and they see, you know, and they see what people were doing a couple of years ago and making these killings. It's like, I mean, you got to get, 
real. I mean, this is not, it's not what's happening right now. Yeah. This is where wholesalers are earning their money. At least I've been feeling like the last six months I've been earning it, man. Have you? Oh yeah. It's all, there's been one like 99 yard touchdown pass <laughs> right? and the rest has been 14 and 17 plays that it's been like a grind running right. the ball, you know? Well, this playing one, down the clock, wearing them out. It's been rough, man. The one that the the house that we got under that you know it looks like we're getting under contract. Um, you know, we were waiting, and then but this one, you know, I think that there were some errors in the guy's projection, the wholesaler's projection. So once, uh, I mean, we were aggressive with our offer because they had a couple offers, and we were pretty aggressive with it. Where it still makes sense. You know, even if things go bad, but there's upside on this one. So, you know, we, you know, being able to, to, to analyze it and pick that out, um, I think is, is important. So we'll yeah. wait for the right one, but once you see it, jump on it. Pounce. That is excellent advice. And you can't pounce unless you know what you're doing too, right? Otherwise you're just yeah, being I mean, foolhardy. Yeah. I mean, you gotta be, you gotta know, you gotta know your numbers. Yeah. I mean, you're not looking to. You know, a bad deal could uh, could hurt you. Yeah, and you got to know before the deal comes across your plate because if you got to figure yeah. it out before, you're probably yeah. not going to get it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how you do it. How do you like working with um, buyers and? Uh... I like it actually. Okay, I um, so I come I come when I'm working with buyers. I mean, I tell them about my experience. You know, I didn't come in this to, to help people like you out. I mean. But when I'm going through a house, from my experience, these are the things that I'm going to be pointing out to you. So when we walk walk through a house and there's, you know, you want to, I'm going to be looking for problems. Because what I'm trying to, part of what I'm trying to do is educate them. Part of what I'm trying to do is, you know, I know they're going to do an inspection. I know there's going to be an appraisal. So what I'm trying to tell them is these are issues that are, come, are going to come up on the inspection. These are problems that are going to come up in an appraisal, if you, you know, with value on this. So I'm trying to. I don't want to get a deal under contract and have it fall apart because of an inspection or an appraisal. Well, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm trying to educate them and tell them this is this is what's wrong. And anyway, um, so your investor side that's a strength you you see with buyers. Like, look, I have absolutely. all this and I can. I'll, in this tough market, you know, you want to look and they get so it's inventory's low. Yeah, quite frankly, very good inventory's low. very low. And if you have a buyer, you need to hop all over it, and this can come in handy. So you're selling yourself that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, and being able to, I mean, analyzing deals, figuring out what this is actually worth. Yeah, it's important. And then the, if they have other questions, like, okay, I want to remodel this kitchen. What's that going to cost? Or I want to open this wall. What's that going to cost? And so I have a, a knowledge of that. So it's good. I think it's a good combination. It's well, a, yeah. a lot of value to be added. But um, I mean, I, th- I just, I, enjoy talking to people and working with people. So it's never, I know some people don't like that as much, but it's fine with them. I like it. So I always wonder about people who don't like talking to people. How do you just do business? Like, I mean, well, I guess you can I guess sell you pick, umbrellas you, over the internet and not talk you to anybody. You, but yeah. You don't do sales. I guess yeah, is I, what it comes down to, or you do it's yeah. people business, man. You got to talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. They lie to you and you got to figure out what they really mean. You know, <laughs> Right. You have to humans do with are that. funny things. They don't like to say what they really mean. Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah. you still deal with a lot of bullshit and, you know, and you got to sift people, through it. Yeah. And you got people with emotions and socks, but oh, emotions, man, oh. they're the worst. That is the single greatest thing about losing everything twice. <laughs> the, the amount of fucks I don't give anymore. <laughs> like, 
I, when I look back, I, I used to literally like live on the edge of emotions, highs and lows. And I'm not saying I don't feel emotion now because I certainly do, but I've learned much better to realize that most emotions are pretty fucking useless, actually, mm-hmm. especially in investing. Yeah, there's not. It's, it's like sex <laughs> and investments are those are things you really don't want to make emotional decisions about because they could both come back to haunt you for a long fucking time and ask me how i know this not on the sex thing but on the investment thing. i've made some mistakes that are gonna take me years yeah to fix and i made those based on emotion and how it made me feel yeah no investments is straight numbers yeah you gotta you gotta pull you gotta yank that out you gotta exercise that from your body and mm-hmm. most people don't they just live on the the edge of whatever I can't tell you how many deals I had go bad because they talked to their fucking neighbor who's a loser and has never invested anything in their life. Yep, absolutely. And you lose them over that. Yep. Now, you never had them if you lose them like that, right? But Well, still, I mean, what you were presenting was a, a viable solution. And then yep. you, know, you lose out because you don't make the money, and they lose out because they listen to an idiot. Exactly. Emotion. How do you deal with those emotions when you're walking uh, buyers through? I know you do a lot. Of, so you do education and trying to get ahead of the problem? Yeah, well, I mean, my I guess my um, part of the whole philosophy and part of showing them or telling them, you know, this house sucks, you know, even though if they might like it, is it's kind of building a rapport too. So when I tell them, when we get to the point and I tell them, look, this is a deal, you got to jump on it, or this one sucks, run away. I mean, I'm trying to to build up. Uh, to have them trust me. So I'm trying to build up that trust. So, um, I mean, for me, it's still, for me, it's still, I mean, they get, you know, people get emotionally attached to houses, but for me, it's still, this is, it's it's still kind of black and white. Yeah. So that's, I don't know. I mean, I can't um, eliminate their emotions, but I just do what, uh, I just, it's the same approach either way for me. Yeah. And for the record, I still feel all those emotions. I just try not to act on them. I'm not some fucking robot. Like I was chasing this Ferndale deal down for a listing for like three fucking weeks. And I I heard you talking to her. Oh my God. And I lost it, man. I, this is still haunting me. Like, so were you you trying to buy that one? uh, I was trying to buy it and, or list it, list it, you know, and I end up not being able to do either. And I don't like fucking losing, man. I do not like losing i keep calling her too i'm see how this goes i'm wrong about i'm either wrong or this other agent at the keller williams office is wrong one of us is fucking wrong we both can't be right here and now i want to know i'm obsessed am i wrong or is she wrong i think she's wrong uh, and gotcha. i'm going to follow up every week but i'm going to find out quick i'm going to find out if she's wrong and i'm wrong and then i'm going to remind the seller of that so i call the seller every week and ask how it's going so oh she has it listed already no it's going to be listed it's going to be okay. yeah supposedly it's supposed to be listed this friday we'll see how it goes but i wanted that one so i still feel it and it hurt man it hurt gotcha. especially since i mean anyway you don't you don't get rich doing the real real tart thing anyway so well you can you can, you can. i'm new i'm stupid i don't even know what i'm doing well, to me it's like all right, so you think about, for me, when I was thinking about flipping, and you have a house, and I mean, on average, say it takes six months to buy, fix, sell, or market, and then actually sell a house. And so at the end, you know, we're looking at making a profit of, who knows, you know, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. But it takes a lot of energy, and it takes a lot of, or a lot of time of my time to put into it. Yeah. Whereas 
with these working as an agent, you could stack those deals up easier and you don't have the uh, financial commitment to it. That's true. And so to me, it's easier to scale that. I mean, because especially, you know, with flips, you got to deal with contractors. They yeah, suck I don't sometimes. miss that. I don't miss that at yeah. all. Yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, it's not, they got their own schedules <laughs> a lot of times. Don't even get me started about contractors. You're going to get me started about contractors. I don't want to. <laughs> You're like, no, let's not do it. No, I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, so it's, it, it's a little bit of a simpler process, I guess, and, and easy, more easy to leverage. When I'm you're just, just bitching about it because I'm learning it, and it is a steep learning curve, at least for me. So, well, I mean, the good thing is you already have the real estate knowledge. So, I mean, there's it's kind of it's why I went to Keller Williams too. It's because I mean, I've done I've been doing it for a few years, but I've been doing I've been learning it myself. And so instead of in doing things the way I you know I think they should be done, yeah. when I know that there's probably a better way, so I came to Keller Williams to kind of. Learn out. a better way, yeah. Yeah, so you're in yeah. the right position. You know, might as well get that learning curve going straight up. Can you see my impatience already? Like, why don't I know it all now? It's well, been a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give it like two more weeks. It'll be good. Yeah, probably give it like a year, right? That's, I don't think it's going to take that long. You don't think so? Don't no. Know. I'm pretty I'm learning a new CRM system, learning how to do all this. I, one thing There's, I know is I'm too aggressive. Like, I need to... Calm what, it down. Yeah, what's good for a wholesaler is not necessarily good for an agent. Sure. So I definitely got to reel that back and i think that may have been a mistake i made is i, I tried to smother them just like Ugh. yeah you're probably gonna turn some people off yes that was probably not probably the best lady way in to go. yeah <laughs> <laughs> smother you with a pillow to you son <laughs> um that's i mean i'm doing the same thing it's like i'm trying to kind of uh re not reinvent but kind of shift how i i've been doing a lot of things and so there's a lot going on for me all at once right now and trying to b- find the balance with doing my own thing and, and yeah, setting aside certain activities that I need to be doing for an agent, certain things I need to be doing for my own health and trying to fit it all in. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to make that adjustment, especially now. I mean, I've been doing, I've been thinking and doing things the same way for 35 years. So it's a long time. And you got three kids just all under three, yes. three under three. <laughs> yes. So they're not even potty trained yet. Are they? Just, yeah, the one, one the is. one is all right. That's pretty good. You're like, no, you're gonna learn. <laughs> yeah, daddy yeah. needs 15 more minutes of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Now it's just like you know, go read a book or here's the iPad or whatever. I'll, I'll, well, actually, luckily, when my wife, you know, that's her role is to take care of the kids. Yeah, thank but God, I, right? I I don't know what I would do. She's she she coaches volleyball. And she leaves. On weekends, on occasionally she'll go away on weekends. And two, there was actually three weekends in a row where she was going to be gone. And so two of them, I mean, we have help, you know, we have family that helps. But so I'm watching the kids, and you don't get anything no. done when you have the kids, Dude. nothing. And it just was killing me. You know, I don't. That's where I'm not patient enough because I, uh, <laughs> there's these things that I need to be doing and. They just take all your energy, but it's, it's like, okay, now we get them to bed, and now you have no energy to do this. Yeah, that's just not do. getting done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right right now. My wife's been away for two weeks now, and I think I'm going to tell her, like, look, 10 days. You're falling and apart. L- yeah, unless, unless, we can, <laughs> unless it's unavoidable. 
let's just cap it at 10 <laughs> days because I am fucking exhausted. Like yep. I got to do everything I'm supposed to do and I don't even have kids. Yeah. And I got to do, I don't have to do everything she did, but I got to do like 30% of it. Right. The other 70% I could ignore to, and I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> just wait till she gets yeah, back. My long days are like, now they're like, Oh my God, I'm like freaking the fuck out. You know, like, yeah. And I did that actually last week. Like I think on Thursday I went full retard. I'm like, ah, and I was like, <laughs> okay, you know what? You're an adult, Jeremy. It's just not get this shit together. It's you're just one person. It's just not all gonna get done. It's gonna be okay. Like, right. Stop acting like an idiot. Right. Uh, like okay, okay. Take a deep breath. So yes, I panicked for about two hours. I got a lot going on in my life, and my wife does a lot to keep me on track, so I can just focus on the other things. And which is ideal. It is. It is. Actually, let's talk about that because I can't tell you how many people. <clears throat> and I've seen both both ways. Partners. So we'll say partners, not wives or girlfriends or whatever. Just, I've seen boyfriends and girlfriends. Could you do what you're doing without your wife, your partner? No. No. There's no way. She supports you. She, you know, doesn't mean she doesn't have questions, right? But Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously the biggest thing is the kids. But, um, I mean, beyond that, it's just there's sometimes, sometimes I just need – you to take care of these things yeah. and I'll take care of these things. So we're kind of, you were talking about division of labor. Yeah. It's the exact same with my partnership. It's the exact same with, with my wife. I mean, there's certain things that we just, I just need her to do. I mean, let me focus on these things and you focus on these things. And, um, that'd be the, I mean, it's the only way it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. And you're better with her than you are without her. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I would, I would say the same thing. So, yeah. I say that because I see a lot of people where that is not the case. Yeah. Well, I mentioned like lone wolf like earlier, you know, it was, that was imprinted on me a a while ago. Like a lot of people want to be, they want to do it all themselves and you, you can't. And I mean that, that's part, that's with the partner, that's with your wife, that's with, you know, with real estate um, or being an agent or whatever. I mean, you need to have people that you can count on to get things done. So your, your team or your, you know, your title companies or whoever it is. I mean, you need to have people that you can count on because you can't do it all. It's, no. and you don't want to, no, you don't no, you want to do it all. Yeah. I mean, the big thing is you want to, you want to work on what you're good at. So you focus on what you're good at and let the other people focus on what they're good at. And you're going to grow a lot faster and do a lot better than you would if you're just doing it all yourself. What do you think you're good at? Still good at numbers. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the, yeah. I guess. I mean, for the deals, that's, I think that's where my strength is just analyzing, analyzing the deals. How do you walk me through how you analyze a deal race style? Well, we've, um, we have a, a spreadsheet and we got it from Jerry Norton. And so when we're analyzing flips, it's like, there's a certain breakdown in, in every, you know, there's certain categories for, for the different types of repairs or, or remodeling that you're doing in a house. And we've adapted or adapted that to, what we're actually paying and, and and made changes and been working at it and it's constantly evolving. It's been evolving for years. Yeah, because the prices of everything changes all the time. Right? Yeah, keeps going up. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, it keeps going. Especially now, contractors are not as easy to find. Everything's going up. But there's that, and then and then we just work on the back end. So okay, you know, when I know what it takes to sell or how much it costs to sell a house, I know what we're paying in private money, and so you figure it all back and say, okay, well, if I'm doing if I'm if this is what my rehab costs, this is what I could sell it for. This is what it's going to cost me to sell the house. Well, how much do I want to make? All right, this is how much I want to make. Then that means I could offer this amount of money. So 
kind of work it backwards. Just do that. And that's, are you trying to make a percentage or is there a chunk in your mind you're trying to make or is it both? Yeah. At the end of it, I mean, what we're trying to say is like 20%, we want to make about 20% off of, um, the money we put into it. So if we're putting in a hundred thousand dollars, there needs to be $20,000 in profit. Makes sense. Yeah. But the, the other thing is net or that's like net. net. Okay. Yeah, Which doesn't makes, include the real estate commission, yeah. even though I'm taking, you know, usually taking one. Yeah. Taking half of it anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. Listing, you list it. Right. Maybe you don't find the buyer. Right. Right. It's, which is usually the case. Yeah. Usually the case. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's, I usually just take that out. You know, that's an expense. So luckily, you know, if it, if it ever comes down to it, you know, I think we had one deal where it's like, I didn't take a, a commission on the listing just cause the deal went bad, but it's uh that's how we work it out. Just, uh, that's an expense. Yeah. Let's talk about deals going bad. Okay. Cause everybody likes to talk about successes, but it's kind of like NASCAR, right? Mm-hmm. It's fun to watch the wrecks too. Right. Mm-hmm. If you live, sorry, I don't mean it like that, but mm-hmm. Hey, and plus, we, at least for me, I've learned way more from my fuck-ups and my failures than I have from my successes, right? How much do you learn by getting everything right? Yeah, right. And then you just all you know is, hey, that was easy. We can yeah, do it again. I do it again. No, you get, you get <clears throat> fucked up, get your face punched in a couple times. You, right. Yeah, so let's talk about I know you're, we talked about your first deal that you guys screwed all up, but yep. what, what are some of the mistakes that you've made um, that you can impart some wisdom our, to me and the listeners. Our biggest mistake, and I mean, really, your biggest expense is usually holding costs. So, you know, maybe trying to get the cheapest contractor isn't always the best. You know, Time, if it takes right? them, yeah. I mean, if you can get a guy, it's a little bit more expensive, but he's going to knock it out, get you, get it done quicker. That's worth. I mean, you got to think about you know, if it's cost you a hundred bucks a day to keep a house. I could pay a little extra to this guy and get it done. But that's where our biggest mistakes recently have been. It's just we've held on to these houses for too long. And one of them was there was a, a major repair that was uh that was missed. Oops. Yeah. What was it? Do you mind sharing or can you? Don't if he's gonna fuck you up. No, it's it was a it was a <laughs> there was a an addition on a house that we were buying. Oh, and, no, that, uh, that does not sound good. <laughs> nope. And so one, either me or my brother looked at this house. I won't say who, but <laughs> I have whichever, whichever one of us didn't, it was, I guess it was pretty wet out. So this person didn't walk in the backyard and kind of look and see that there's a big problem with this addition. So Oops. the deal, yeah, basically we had to tear an addition off and rebuild it. And so that's a big mistake. Yeah. And we were still okay. Like just from just looking at like, this is going to cost this and we could sell it for this, but now we've added some value to it from looking at that. It still made sense, but all the extra time and when we're it, we ended up during like the selling season and it was like that, all that extra holding time is, is really why we didn't make money on it. Cause we, I mean, just the numbers on what it costs to fix and, and sell would have been fine, but that all that whole extra holding costs. That hurt. Always does, right? Because you got insurance, utilities, property taxes, yep. private money. Yep. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot. It's all adding up. It's a, and it goes quick. It the really is. I mean, you're talking about. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> yep. And so, yeah. Eating it alive. So, yeah. um, and that's something that actually pricing is the other thing. 
that that I'm I still struggle with. It's like, all right, let me just see if we can stretch it. Maybe we can get a little bit more for this house. And usually, what happens is, no, you don't get more. You just the house sits on the market longer, and you've lost probably the buyer that you would have had. But that's the other the major cost is just overpricing. Yeah, it's really a conundrum too, right? Because in a market where inventory is so low, quality inventory, right? Mm-hmm. And demand, at least right now, we're talking Metro Detroit. I don't know about the rest of this mm-hmm. fucking country, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, demand is pretty high. Mm-hmm. There is that desire to push the envelope. And sometimes you have to a little bit, right? Yep. But you just brought an excellent point. You push too far. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, from, from my mindset as an investor, it's like, well, I don't care what the asking price is. You know, I could just offer what what I think it's worth, and it doesn't work that way with buyers. If it's overpriced, like five ten grand overpriced, in some cases they just don't even offer. Yeah, like well, fuck. I mean, you know, I know I'm I might be you know ten grand high on this, but if you came in, made an offer, a lot of people offer, don't. This is an then, argument I've had several times actually. Yeah, I think you're on to something here. Yeah. Not everybody will make an offer. Right. Oh no. I think there's a lot that don't. Yeah, so absolutely. That was a uh, anyway. That's a, I guess that's another hidden cost kind of lost opportunity too. Opportunity, yeah. For yeah. Sure. I can't. I don't know if this is true or not. Something I read. Ninety percent of the time, the first offer you get your best offer. I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah. I mean, I've seen it. Well, we've dealt. We've dealt, or not dealt. We've experienced it where. Yeah, we you know we turned down the first offer. You know we were too aggressive with our counter or whatever, and that buyer walked and and you know maybe we didn't sell it for as much. But so there was one or two times where that one was the best. But I could see I could see it, especially I mean you guys, especially in this market right now. You know, there's I just relisted. We had a deal fall apart, a sale fall apart. The buyer ended up not qualifying, so relisted it today you can hear my phone blowing up i mean there's there's about 10 showings today yeah on this one but uh i mean that's the thing is like you think all right well all these people are gonna they're gonna be jumping on it and they're gonna be ready to go um because they know there's a lot of competition too and so they're hopefully they're a little bit more aggressive but um yeah they have a good agent they will be they have a good agent they're gonna be like look if you want this thing you better hop all over it right but it's you know and if you're in the seller's case, it might be the right one to take. Yeah. That is a conundrum. For me as a wholesaler and one point in time, a flipper and everything else like that, turnkey guy, it does seem that you have one problem or the other. Either you have no problem finding the deals and all your work is selling it and realizing the profit, or it flips the other way around where you have no problem selling it and realizing the profit, but you got to like grind out yeah. to work. That is the market. It it's kinda, never, it's never easy. It's no, right? it's not. So it was, every, it was easy. Everybody would be doing it. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, you know, whatever the saying is, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Yeah, something like something that. Like that yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, it's true. You know, I mean, we've probably, we've probably cost ourselves tens of thousands of dollars by, <clears throat> by trying to, uh, to stretch and get a little too much. That's good advice. All right, any other big mistakes you made? No. <clears throat> Although in addition, that's pretty bad. So I- <laughs> Andy, yeah, Andy, you gotta walk around the right house <laughs> and take a look at it. <laughs> I didn't say it. Um, um, I said it. It's okay. <laughs> um, no, I mean we've been we've been 
we've been, I don't know, lucky. I mean, we've been smart about it. And so, um, no, I mean, that's, those are our biggest money mistakes. Overpricing, too, taking too much time, and missing that addition. That yeah. was it. But definitely taking too much time. Most people, and I didn't do that in the beginning either. It's an easy thing to overlook. Holding costs, think of holding costs as the alligator. Mm-hmm. Generally, I plan for six months when I was doing it before I, before I didn't realize, you know, I used to plan for 90 days, by the way, that's a bad plan. It's too fast. Yeah, it's too fast. It doesn't work that way. Like at least six months of holding costs. And if the deal doesn't make sense, then cut it loose, man. Right. Shit can go wrong as you found out, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what what about trid? Has, um, that affected your closings or okay. So it's still going pretty well for that. No, I mean, it might cost a couple days, but the reality that's, I think that was overblown somewhat. Okay. So we're not, I mean, actually HUD, HUD's rule with TRID is they want 10 days. So if you're buying a HUD house or if you have a, well, for me as an agent, you know, working with a buyer who was buying a HUD house, I mean, 10 days to actually close once he had the clear to close. But beyond that, I mean, for the most part, it's a couple of days. It's not, that's not a, that's not a killer at all. No, I did think that was a little over overblown although it did increase the paperwork well, it made it seem like like any little thing could push it back three days so it made it look like you know they could be stacking up these three-day extensions and that's just not from what i've been saying it's not happening at least not in a hot market which we are definitely in a competitive hot market well if you have i mean that's i think the important thing there is you know you're dealing with a, a knowledgeable lender yeah and so as long as you're dealing with that knowledgeable lender and and, and they know the trade rules and you know, they're on top of it. You're usually okay. Yeah. And educate your buyers and your right. sellers as well. What the process is going to look like. 1140. Okay. Oh, tons of time. Yeah. We got tons of time. Although we're definitely heading towards the end in the beginning. So yeah. what does the future of the Nimike empire look like? Got some rentals. You're flipping. Yeah. Got the real estate agent thing going on at Keller Williams. Yep. Um, what else is, is lined up? What else are you working on? Where, where do you think the future is going to be? Um, I mean, for the, in the short term, we're looking at continuing what we're doing. I mean, we need to expand our own marketing to find our own deals. Um, it's kind of, I mean, it's easy to pay a wholesaler to do it if the deal makes sense. But I mean, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of money that could be made there. So I oh, think yeah, that, we want our chunk, man. Yeah. yeah. You guys are getting fucking greedy too. Yeah. No, nah. I am, I am a, I am not, don't put me in that category. Unfortunately, I don't have as much control over it as I would like, but I'd yeah. much rather move faster and do more than go slow. Well, you just do Detroit, chunks. right? Just Detroit? No, I do everywhere. Yeah. Oh, you do? Oh. Just the fucking leads have been shit lately. They've been all been in Detroit. So I've been working, you know, I've been working the leads I got, man. The leads are in Detroit. That, that so. I, I understand that. Um, I mean, I can't blame people for, for asking for whatever they want to make on the wholesale. I can't blame them for asking that. And the reality is, is there's probably somebody that's going to pay it. But to me, for me, it's like, do I really want to take a deal? that's a little bit slim just so I have another deal. So sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, but I mean, it's there's anyway, there's money to be had there that we could, if we had, you know, if we had a, a, a better plan in place to find these on our, on our own, then that would be ideal. Um, as far as, so we'll keep so short term we need to do a better job at finding our own deals. We'll continue doing what we have been doing. Um long term, I mean we want to get into commercial like apartments and, and yeah. that kind of thing. And I mean we like 
I mean, my, what I always say is, you know, flips give you money, but rentals build wealth. That's an excellent point. So our goal all along is to, is to own more rental properties. And so, um, and if we can combine all that into a big apartment building, even better. Like Monopoly, right? Yeah, exactly. Roll those houses up into hotels. Yep. Or big commercial apartment buildings. Yeah, yeah that would be uh that's the ideal and that, you know, everything every, now it's working working the business and then being prepared. So when that next opportunity does come available or does become available, then we're ready to uh to jump on it. That's a good point. When do you think you, uh, when you, any sort of timeline, any horizon for that? No, no. <laughs> it'll be. I think it'll, it'll, it'll be in the, three boys under three. No, well, I mean the next opportunity. I mean, I mean, I when I'm saying that, I'm thinking the next the next time the market just takes a dump, yeah, and things become more affordable. Um, so I mean, I think we got a couple years anyway on that. Yeah, so, I think we have a might have a long time. Well, for sure it's coming though, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but thinking how much money that you know on the turnkeys. Yeah, thinking how much money that you know, we made versus if we just held on to them a little bit and think yes. how much we would have. Yes. Man, it's a lot of money. Well, yeah, cuz cash flow, appreciation, mm-hmm. depreciation, mm-hmm. cuz let's face it, wholesaling and flipping is tax disadvantaged. Yes it is. You got your government Guberman's hands all over your shit, right? Taking big old chunks, really right. setting you back. Um, where where the funny thing is, those little rentals just keep on ticking, especially the depreciation, right? Twenty seven and a half years of depreciation. Yeah, and you don't see it every month, and there's a little, there's more work to it. There's more not work. There's a more managing. It's not sexy at all. Let's face it. No, it's like working out. You know, everybody wants to go to a party. Nobody yeah. wants to get up early and bang the phones, right? Like, exactly. That's the rentals waking up early and banging the phones. Yep. The flip is the party, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Flips are the sexy thing. I mean, yeah. everybody, 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 thinks, wants to flip. everybody wants to be a flipper, you yeah. know? But, um, you know, it's cool. It's cool to share your stories in there and show people what you can do to a house. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for really, for building long-term wealth, that's not flipping. Yeah. Almost nobody makes their money. They're big money. Like, Beyond two hundred fifty thousand dollars, right there. In fact, I would say maybe even a couple million. There are certainly developers who buy and develop land and flip, and they do pretty. But when we're talking about multiple millions of dollars, it's almost all passive and tax advantaged and yes. applied of time. Time is applied. Well, to they it. talk about compounding for yes. uh, for yeah. you know stocks and everything, but yeah, same thing works with same thing works with with real estate. I was talking to we. Um, so we, my wife and I, we ended up, we ended up buying one of our flips. So we, you know, once the three boys came, we had like a 1200 square foot bungalow and it got tight real fast. <laughs> and so we were working on, we were working on a house. It was, you know, just a couple miles away in the neighborhood and you know, we don't like the neighborhood as much, but still a nice neighborhood. And it was 1800 square feet and it was big and it was a, uh, it was a good fit for our family. And so I was talking to my wife about buying it. And then keeping the old house. Because so I bought the old house. I had a great time. I'm about like 50% like loan to value right Hell now. yeah. So cash flow is crazy. But I was talking to her about keeping that one. And it was, you know, she didn't really, she didn't really like the idea too much. But I'm like, well, wait a, wait a second. Let's look at this. You know, we have these people that are going to be, first, what they're paying is going to cover the new mortgage payment. So basically we just traded houses. Um, and then as we're doing it, or as as they're paying, they're paying down our mortgage 
And when we go in 20 years, when it's like time to retire and this house is now worth double what it's worth right now and we owe nothing on it, I mean, that's retirement. So, um, yeah, what do you call that? Force depreciation or where you're paying down, you're creating your, I can't remember. There's a financial term for it. Um, but you're right. Your tenant is making your payment and a certain amount of that is, you know, whether market goes up or down, you're building equity every mm-hmm. payment you make, right? Yep. Yep. And it's, you know, whatever income you make, really, you're not, by the time you factor in depreciation and everything, you're not showing it. So it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, as long as you get the, as long as you have a decent tenant, there's nothing, there's no problem with it. It's yeah. all good. That is one of the funny things about our tax code. I don't want to get off onto it too much, but passive income is treated way better than earned income. Maybe it's one thing the government does right. You know, encourage, encourage investment. It might, maybe it might be because yeah, the earned income, they just pull you, man. They, they, <laughs> they damn, hammer you. Yeah. And it's not looking good for the future. They want more of it. Uh, yeah. It depends a on lot who, more of it. You know? It could be tons. It depends on who's in office. Yeah. Well, I don't see it going down. Do you? No, no. Yeah. That's no. yeah. Everybody wants more of everything. They don't want to pay for it. So it's going to go up. But for whatever reason, passive, even dividends and things like that, just it's treated way better. So if you can be patient, I know the flipping is sexy. Maybe you have to do flipping. I certainly have to, but not a minute longer than you have to, right? Yeah. Well, it could always still be, you know, part of part of the, the big picture, but don't. I mean, if you could if you could use that as side income, that's better. What about, do you have any, I know you talked about rich dad, poor dad, right? Like that, obviously that book had mm-hmm. an effect. You went to the seminar, you kind of got a little mentor coach that made you make offers, got your first deal, got your butt moving, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other books or blogs or anything else that um, you think has been really valuable that that's helped you out and pushed you along? Um, no, I think the biggest, the biggest thing is is networking and, and meeting, you know, going to RDI or going to the Oakland Ria or, or whatever, Combria, any of them, and just being involved with other investors um, and people that are doing things right. You know, I think that that is by far the biggest thing. I mean, swim with the sharks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you get involved, you end up coming, deals come to you that you didn't, that you never would have anyway. You know, you don't, you do work with people that you never would have worked with anyway. Um, so that's the biggest, I mean, there's not really necessarily a rich dad, poor dad is obviously the book that changed my perspective on things. Uh, it had the greatest influence for me. I mean, obviously think you grow rich, you know, it's a good way. It's one thing I'm still really working on, you know, goal setting and actually making that an actual, a very specific like number or, or, or outcome. And, um, that's what I'm, that's my, I'm in the process of really setting that up. And I think that's the most, that's very important. But beyond that, I mean, no books that I'm, I wasn't a big reader to be honest. Like I said, I you like audio books. All right. I do. What, I do. Audi- what are your favorite audio books? Do you have an audible account or I just got one. Yeah. I like love audible a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So just, you're going to love it, dude. You're going to fucking love it. Yeah. I already have like, I already have a, a shit ton in the, in the wish list. Yeah. So, I, I signed up for the one and then I went to the two. And then quite frankly, I regularly be like, Oh, you can have more credits. <laughs> yeah. More. Well, cause I farm, I spend so much time outside yeah. that I'm like, 
why can't I just double up on this? Right. So I just, and driving and whoop, throw it yep. in and get my learn on son. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, you're just wasting your time any, or, you know, you're not gaining anything anyway. You know, there was one audiobook. I, it was, it was Earl Nightingale. It, I think it's called acres of diamonds or something. It was a short one. I guess Earl Nightingale was kind of like the pioneer of like the self-development. That one it's pretty short. That one I thought was, that was really good. Okay. Acres sh- of diamonds. I think that's what it's called. Uh, but it's short. I think it's only like, it's a little story, but it's I'll like, look it up and put it in the show notes somewhere. Yeah. I'm glad you found Audible. Yeah. I learn, I do better reading, <clears throat> but the problem is after a 14 hour day, it's very difficult to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you're tired. You got to be paying attention. So it's my best way to learn mm-hmm. is reading, but there's just no, not enough time for it. Yep. So I just listen, which means I have to listen more, but at least it gets done. You know? Yeah. The, I mean, the, I mean, uh, multitasking. It's usually never good unless no. it's something where it's mindless work, yes. driving, cutting the lawn, whatever it is, and you could double it up that way. Or you can repeat it multiple times yeah. too. My big thing was, you know, I would always have, um, that's another thing I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at, but you can have all the knowledge of the wor- in the world, but until you're actually applying it. So you could read all the books you want, but until you're actually applying what you're reading and doing, you know, it's not really... In your head, you're getting better, but you're not physically doing it. I can't remember where I heard this, and it's crass, but I think it's true. Education without application is masturbation. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't know where I got that from, yeah. but uh, yeah, you got to get out of your mom's basement if you want to get laid, right? And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's hundred percent probably the most the most important thing, you know. So everything, I mean, I guess it's what we've talked about is, you know, just do it. Um, but until you, you need to do it, you're not, you're never going to be perfect at it and you're only going to get better once you, once you start doing things. So, um, what are they, that's another, does the, man, you're just spitting them out, man. What, that, really? What was it? Uh, hold on. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Perfect. Uh, uh, perfectionism is procrastination. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like if if, if you think you're going to get shit perfect. Yeah. It's no, it's no. Yeah. When's the last time you did something you would consider you'd be considered perfect. Never. I, yeah. I haven't done a single fucking thing. I'm actually using like, damn, I just, yeah. I guess I just skated by on that one. Like I just barely held on like yeah. 10 more minutes and I was yeah. a goner. That's how I feel most of the time. Oh yeah. There's a couple that you don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's how I feel joining the Joe Delia team, by the way. Dude's like, oh, yeah, you, you, you learned how to dog paddle? Good. He's fucking deep into the pool, right? <laughs> like, oh, oh yeah. throwing shit at you. So that's how I, that's part of the, <laughs> since you mentioned Joe, I mean, I haven't really, I don't know if I even told him this, but I told you the story a couple yeah. weeks ago. That's how I got involved in real estate, or I'm sorry, with Keller Williams. You know, just seeing the success that he had at Keller Williams when I had just an outside knowledge of how he was at flipping and i think from you know better than me but i mean the biggest thing with joe is application yes he just fucking does it he does what dude did you listen to the podcast with his wife renee i listened to the uh, you gotta listen to that whole thing yeah they're like this one that's actually i don't even want to be an agent but i just want to work with people like that and just learn like i'm like oh my god they they literally are beasts it's funny because we have the same degree, and uh, the big difference is she just fucking. I mean, she is just, it? yeah, she did it. She just does it. Yeah. She literally just does it. I get emails 
sometimes I have a hard time sleeping sometimes, you know, I normally, I don't, but sometimes I go through periods where I have a hard time sleeping and my phone will make a noise and I can't sleep. So I'll just get, I shouldn't do this. Right. But I'll get up and I'll check it. Mm. So fucking sending me emails at one thirty in the morning. Really? She's pregnant. I'm like, what are you doing? Wait till she has kids. <laughs> Actually, I, she'll, she will get, you will get more emails. Now yes. Late, which that's is, exactly what kid. I'm like, but. I, I need to, I need to do a lot better. I need to do a lot harder. She's sending emails at one fucking 30 in the morning. And here I am trying to, to sleep and I'm bitching about my day and what I got to learn and all that. Yeah. That's why I like you swim with sharks. I think yeah. that's excellent advice. That's what I'm trying to do. We're trying to swim with some damn sharks, right? Get yeah, better absolutely. at life and, and getting shit done. So yeah. I liked it. Yeah. That's, that's why I like Keller Williams too is, I don't know. There's just a lot of sharks there, man. Yeah. The, um, so I talked to, uh, my wife's cousin. She's an, she's an agent, been an agent for, she turned 18 she's younger than me but um and she works for remax and so when i told her i thought i was thinking about switching i told her keller williams was who i was probably thinking of she's like you can't go to keller williams you can't you know and she had a bad i guess she joined there initially and left after a week but she wanted me to to meet with remax so i was like yeah that's fine i mean i'll meet i'll see what they have to say but the plan that keller williams kind of kind of put in place for me versus what I heard from Remax. It's like, it's not even comparable. I mean, like I'm telling you exactly where I want to go and they put in a plan. This is how you're going to get there. Yep. So that was the big, that was the biggest as far as, so Joe, you know, that was where my, I guess my, well, seeing what he, or how he was growing a team, seeing how there was other big agents that were actually growing big teams and they all seem to be, or the majority of them seem to be Keller Williams. So it's like, okay, well, this is where they're doing it, you know. So uh, I guess that's where I need to be. Yeah. I didn't care where I was going to go. I just wanted, that just became obvious to me, just looking around. Because I did the same thing. I assessed my options. I'm like, okay, I need to change. I need to do something different. Mm-hmm. I see where this market is going. It's getting tough. It's getting competitive. I need mm-hmm. more tools mm-hmm. in my bag to get shit done. And then I just start surveying the horizon there's really not that many people who are like slaying it. Right. The numbers, it's like less than 10. And you, all of Michigan, it's less than 10. And when I say by slaying it, I mean, there's lots of people killing it. There's lots of people doing great. But I'm talking about people who are just stomping shit all day long and just winning no matter what. Mm-hmm. The number's small. Very small. Well, the, the number of people that are actually doing like anything even decent is small. I remember I was talking to... It was actually after an RDI meeting, I was talking to another investor slash realtor and he doesn't do, he doesn't do a lot of as an agent um, just because he doesn't want to. He does enough to get by and he's good with that. And I kind of told him what I expected to be like making, like grossing and, and commissions in the year. And he's like, dude, that would make you like the top 10% like in the nation. And this is like maybe the, the, my first year doing it full time. It's like, yeah. that's ridiculous. The bar is incredibly low, incredibly low. Yeah. I mean, so there's, and then, and so I'm, you know, that's where I'm at. You know, we got all these people below me and then you have the people that I'm thinking they're the ones that are actually doing something and they're, you know, they're killing it. So they literally are. That's, yeah. that's excellent advice too. And that, that's why I'm there. If you're going to be an agent, I don't think it necessarily matters where you go, but make sure that you're learning from people that are doing either what you want to do or have done what you want to do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That that's really, 
they're going to know how to get there and yes. they're going to be able, and then they need to be able to share that information with you. So yes. if they won't keep looking, right. right. Yeah. And you should be incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> how long have you been doing this now? Right. Yeah. The, well, yeah. I mean, I've been in Keller Williams for like three months and they're, you know, the coaching and everything. And have you had a comfortable it. day yet? <clears throat> Hell no. No, man. I go in every day. I, some days I leave feeling like shit if I had to be quite frank. I no, just, I mean, I had a, I had a call because I meet, you know, weekly with uh, one of the coach there. And she had, has given me this, all this yeah, homework sure, that man, I needed. She ain't, no, she, ain't no, she, ain't, she ain't gonna take any of your shit. No. <laughs> I showed up. She gave me homework and I didn't finish it. And she just, she basically kicked me out of the next, the next meeting. It was short, maybe 15 minutes. It kicked me out and said, well, now you got twice as much to do and get the fuck out of here and go do it. Yeah. And so, yeah, the only time I was comfortable, she had to call me yesterday to cancel because I still didn't get everything done. I was supposed to, oh. that, was the only, that was the only time I was comfortable. I was like, I breathed a little bit. It's like, okay, but now I got to double up my effort over the next yeah. week. So that is a good thing about Keller Williams too, is they have coaching, they have ignite, they have lots of things. I'm not saying they're the best things in the world. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty good as far as giving a plan of action. That's and my, look, I don't, I only looked at, and I was with an independent guy that got gave provided nothing. And then I was looking at other offices. So, I mean, from my small view, what they offer is, is a, is pretty good to get you. If you want to do something big, what they offer is pretty good to get you there. Yeah. And if you're comfortable, you're doing it wrong. Yes. That's, I think that's really, no matter what you're trying to do, if, if you're not seriously doubting your decisions, I think you're in the wrong place. Yeah. 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 Like I told you, I had my freak out moment last week and I'm okay, but <clears throat> I did. I did freak out. I'm going to admit it. I did. It was only two hours, folks. Cut me some slack. Right? <laughs> I haven't. I haven't had a, a freak out moment. I've had, I guess, more stress than than I'm used to. But it's, you know, I mean, I just have to be. Uh, I just apply myself and do what I'm supposed to be doing. That all take care of itself. Well, the reality is, we're all more capable than we really think we are, right? It's just oh, yeah, convincing yourself to do it does seem to be the difficult part, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Overcoming that inertia. That's excellent point. Things I do. What things do you do to reduce your friction day to day? When I say reduce your friction, like I kind of go, like I set up my clothes the night before. I make sure I have my calendar done the night before. I write out, like on the weekends, I write out, I have goals and I write, I write them out in my calendar for all the day. Right? I'm just trying to, you should, you should be my new mentor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to make it. I, I'm trying not to have as many fucking excuses not to do what I need to do. Right. And I think if you wake up in the morning and you don't already have to plan for the day, then you succumb to whatever comes in. And now you're reacting instead of getting it right. You want to get after it. You want to get after it. And get- yeah. Um, the big, I mean, the biggest thing I'm working on now is, actually getting up early and actually getting like a workout in. Um, that's when I'm, when I do that, it really does get my day going better than <clears throat> better than, you know, anything else. I mean, you get up, you get moving and uh, especially when I'm up, <clears throat> excuse me. That's okay. Especially when I'm up before the family, even if I'm not working out, even if I'm just up and I'm doing whatever work, man, it's amazing how much I've, I've been able to get done with just quiet. Yeah. You know? oh, but yeah, yeah get, quiet. That's 
Yeah, but just that's that's it. I mean, just getting up and getting going, getting started. That's um, the most important thing. And then trying to, after that, it's it's trying to separate. You know, it's like, you know, this part, this period of time, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, you're time after, blocking. Time right? blocking. Yeah. yeah. So I'm supposed. I need to be doing this during this time. I need to be doing this during this time. Because the reality is, I mean, you look at. Well, for me, I'd be checking my email constantly, constantly flipping back to my email, and I'd be reacting to these certain things. None of them are an emergency, you know. I, they could easily wait till the afternoon, but I would be, I would do it, and I would get distracted from what else I was doing, um, and it was just it was killing my productivity. So actually, making that switch to only doing things when you're supposed to be, or following the schedule that you set for yourself. Yeah, that's really important. Is that are you seeing results from that already or yeah, I'm still getting better at it. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. But yeah, I, you know, it's, um, when I success, when I have successful days like that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I've noticed too. I've been doing, I hired a fitness nutrition coach cause I just wasn't getting the results I wanted. And that shit works, man. You wake up, torture yourself in the morning, especially you got to do some shitty things. Like let's mm-hmm. say you got to do some cold calling mm-hmm. or some things you're just really not happy with. The worst you make, make your, your exercise in your morning routine so brutal <laughs> that, that the rest of the day is easy. It's just a piece of cake. For what I've, so a few years ago, I got in really good shape and I did like, like P90X and hated like, you know, so you hated getting to that point where or getting started and knowing, okay, I'm going to, I need to do this. I need to start it. I need to start it. And then finally I started it and it sucked because you know, you're sore. You just want to lay down. But once you start seeing the results of it, then that, then you have like that, the encouragement to keep going. And then you, then you have the, it changes from you have to do it to you want to do it because yeah. you want to keep seeing that improvement. And that's what I'm, I mean, I think that translates into your business too. It's like cold calling. Fuck. I do not want to cold call anybody. No. Who does? No. But then once you start doing it, get some results, book some appointments. Yeah. And then it starts getting, okay, no, it's a little bit easier. And then eventually it's like, okay, well I know that I'm, when I get to this point, you know, when you're booking all kinds of appointments and everything, and then, you know, now then I'm going to be encouraged to do it more. And so I know this, but it's still that mental hurdle. I'm, I'm trying to get over and just, okay, just fucking, just do it. Just do it. Just fucking do it. Yeah. That is really the key. Just do it. I guess that's kind of the overall theme of this entire talk is, yeah. is, is action. Just making it's funny how we have to make ourselves do things, right? Yeah. We are funny creatures. We just want to sit dumb. around, get fat, watch TV. That'd be, that'd be awesome. <laughs> if there was a job that did that paid me to do that. Like like dogs, right? Yeah. Sleep all day, get yeah. fat, eat everything. Mm-hmm. Fuck everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be ideal. Yeah, it just does not work that way. At least, no. If you want some shit and you don't want to be at the, living at the behest of everyone else, right? right. Which that can, we saw what that's going to look like. We got a taste of what the future looks like and that, right? Not yeah. good. Yeah, no. I'd rather, I, the way I look at it too, I'd rather pay now so I don't end up old and paying like a lot yeah. of people are going to pay. They, they bet on the wrong thing and. Yeah. My there are bit, losers. Yeah. The, I mean, the other thing for me now is now I got, you know, I'm looking at setting an example. So three boys. Yeah. I mean, besides, uh, you know, I don't want to be, you know, 
the overweight guy that just watches TV on the couch. You know, I wanted to set the example. And so they realize if you want to be successful, these are the, these are the habits you need to have. Man, your boys are going to come out like Spartan warriors. <sighs> if, I, if I get my ass in gear and start setting the example. Yep. Yeah, I think you will. Are you doing, you're doing okay so far, right? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, what it's funny are you doing? It's a P90X again, but it's yeah. the third one. So it's only like 30 minutes. That's still pretty tough. They're brutal. <laughs> my, uh, I'm proof today. Yeah. I'm sore as shit. I can't bend down. I thought, no, I saw, so before the podcast started, he was plugging in his phone. He made like a, he made it sound like a woman. <laughs> he bent over. I get all this hate. I'm sorry. Just, it's a joke, folks. It's a joke. Anyway, I was like, you need to work on your flexibility. And then he's told me, no, no, I just messed up. I mean, probably did all those body squats and yeah. Yeah. It adds up. Yeah, that was me time. like six weeks ago when I first. So you're started. past you're past the pain. Well, no, I'm not past the pain, but I'm past I can't walk. Yeah, I still hurt, but now I can. It's walk. a good hurt, though. Yeah. You know, when you're walking, you know, even so, hurt of accomplishment. This is exactly it. Yeah, you kind of feel better about yourself. You're walking somewhere, like, and like hell yeah. I mean, you might be in the same shape you were a week ago, but you feel better. And you kind of do look like uh, Captain America a little bit, square jaw. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Round cheeks. Yeah. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to go over that we didn't go over? Now's your now's your opportunity. Anything we didn't talk about you want to talk about? If you want to plug something, I got all your links, but if there's anything um No, I mean there's I don't I don't know that there's anything I haven't really gone over. I mean I got a story, everybody has a story. Um but if you want to be successful, just follow the other people that have done it. I think that's the uh guess the the big takeaway is just take action follow follow the path of people that have done it and you'll be successful sage advice <laughs> thank you i want to thank my guest ray first time today Thanks, i encourage Jeremy. you to go check out the stuff he's working on so if you want to check out his investment stuff go to facebook.com forward slash detroit real estate and if you want to check out his keller williams realtor stuff go to ray N E M E C K A Y. And you also check them out on Zillow.com forward slash profile forward slash rate dash Nimike. And this will all be in the show notes, folks. Okay. And if you have any deals, you know, feel free to send them. Where are you looking to buy? Anywhere in Metro Detroit or anywhere? Anywhere. If, County. If you got a deal, reach out to him, man. He's a good guy. You guys yep. close fast, all cash. No we got, we got a lot of investors, so yeah. no problems. He won't have a problem. 50 plus deals now. You know how to get shit done, right? Yep. So if you get a deal, sell it to Ray. There you go. Reach out to him. If you enjoy and find this podcast helpful, it's free, man. Share it. Um, if you haven't already, rate on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening to this. Um, I really do appreciate it, and it does help. If you're interested in go, or I'm say if you have any suggestions or comments, go to renegadedetroit.com. Let me know. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. You can also hit me up on Snapchat there too. Jeremy Burgess. I'm on Snapchat. Go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. In fact, I'm saying this right now. Less than 30 days from now, I'm going to have videos going up there, okay? I think I have this figured out. I got somebody who's going to do it for me. We can start putting this shit up on YouTube and watching it, too. We do record this. So I will get it figured out, folks. I will get it figured out. And as I wrap up this podcast, you know it's coming. I do want to take a moment to encourage you 
to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know. I say it every week. Who, who do you think is going to take care of you? If not you, who? Come on, man. I know there are distractions, poisonous people, tough starts. Maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe you fucked your life up pretty good. I did mine, right? Pick some goals, man. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you closer, even if it's one step. I do want to thank you for listening. I know you'll be doing a lot of other things right now. I appreciate your attention. And until I catch you on the next podcast, crush it.